Welcome to Willow Park Church Online. Thank you for taking the time to watch online, to take that sacred space, to log on, to sit down and to engage in an act of worship at this time. The one thing I know, uh, reading all the reports or the news outlets, is that people are feeling stressed. They are feeling pressures with the areas of their own mental health. And I really do believe that as you engage in an act of worship in this way, from your home, from your living room, no doubt, or wherever you are gathering together, I really pray that God will bring peace to you on your journey and will be with you. Please feel free to email us, make contact. Maybe you've made a decision spiritually to change. Maybe you've made a decision to actually hand over your life to Jesus Christ completely and make him Lord. Last week I spoke about that, that when we go on a spiritual journey, we go through a number of phases. And that phase one is being able to invite Jesus to be the Lord of our life. And then we enter in a period of inner growth, of learning how to live in integrity, learning how to live in obedience, learning how to hear God's voice. And having got that foundation correct, we move on as God develops our gifts. We never stop growing and we never stop communing with Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you. At the beginning of this uh, service, that as Chris comes with the band to lead us in worship, we pray, Lord, and thank you for our young people. Thank you for our musicians. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry that reaches right the way across Kelowna and beyond. We pray that you will be with us and we welcome you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, we will take communion, so get prepared. Here is the word. of this uh, service, that as Chris comes with the band to lead us in worship, we pray, Lord, and thank you for our young people. Thank you for our musicians. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry that reaches right the way across Kelowna and beyond. We pray that you will be with us and we welcome you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, we will take communion, so get prepared. Here is the worship. The Lord bless you. Good morning, church family. Uh, thank you for joining us online. I invite you guys to just um, join our band here as we just get right into worship. And um, although we're at home, maybe in front of our computer or our TV, I invite you to just close your eyes and let's just try to get rid of all these distractions that might be sitting in our head. Let's put our phone aside during the service while we just worship and, and get distractions out of the way so that um, we could just ask the Holy Spirit to come and work as we worship from our homes. So Jesus, we...
we adore you, we exalt you, we thank you that through everything, you are the King of kings, you're the Lord of lords, your promises, they never fail. God, you're the one seated on the throne where all of the creatures and the elders are, are bowing down and saying, worthy is the Lamb who is slain. God, and, and we do that with all of heaven. And we thank you for the cross. We thank you that we get to do this in freedom. Jesus, just go before us this morning. Lead us as we lead. We love you so much. Pray this in your name. Amen.
Jesus, we praise your holy name. Your sweet, sweet name, God, may it ever be on our lips. For eternity, we, we just praise you. We sing Jesus. Worthy are you, Jesus.
are on you 
music, God, we just I pray that song and those words just over our homes, over our hearts, over our minds. And it's just through everything, you are well in us. Right into our soul, God. When we trust in you completely, when we we trust in you with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding it is well with our soul to our core being it is well in you God even just in this place where we are right now wherever everybody is let's just all say it is well with our soul just say that out loud it is well with my soul and just just take a moment to thank God for everything he's done for you. Just everything that comes to the top of your head, just thank him. Thank you. Yeah, Jesus, so just go before us this week. God, this month, that each day we would live in the present, God, and we would trust that you have a plan for tomorrow and that you are well within us. God, would you just bless Phil as he speaks, as he brings your word? God, would you speak truth through him? You are so good and we love you. And from our homes, we all say together, Amen. Thank you, church family, for worshiping. We're going to uh, listen to the message now. When we come to communion, and as Chris finished off, it is well with my soul. The question I have for you is, is it well with your soul? Do you know that peace? Do you know that relationship with Jesus? Whenever we come to take communion, we are again committing our lives utterly and completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way he gave his body for us, we have given our lives to him. And we've said, come, fill my life, make a difference in my life and meet with me. And so as we take communion, let's rededicate our lives to Christ. Say yes to Jesus. I want to follow him. Lord, we thank you for this bread. We thank you for this wine. And we remember the supreme sacrifice that you gave upon the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but may receive eternal life. We thank you for the cross and your body that was broken and that we can receive eternal life. The body of Jesus, which is broken for you, eat it. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your body.
In the same manner, the Lord Jesus Christ took the cup, said, this is the blood of our new covenant. I want to remind you that Jesus paid the price. That he traveled literally through hell, so you need never face hell. He traveled through the pain of humanity by having all of human judgment and pain and sin poured into his vessel as the Lamb of God that died in our place. And because he died, we can now live. We thank you that I was once stained by sin, by my own selfishness, by my own failings. But you, Jesus, has taken away all of that and set me free. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Well, if you're joining us and you're going to hear uh, a powerful message from the South community about Sabbath and Sabbath rest, I'll be handling that next week. But also uh, this week, I'll be talking about what happens when we abide with Christ. So after the um, Willow One News, we will then uh, gather together around God's word and look at the difference abiding in Christ makes within the life of the believer. God bless you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. We are looking for leaders for both our youth and kids midweek programs. Youth leaders are needed on Wednesdays or Thursday nights, and kids volunteers are needed for Tuesday nights. We are also looking for someone to help us put together craft kits for our kids ministry. If you're interested in getting involved, please email the church office at info at willowparkchurch.com. We have a few new groups starting up this month, including divorce care on Monday nights, two women's Bible studies on Monday and Tuesday nights, and Gather for Women on Thursday mornings. Visit our website events page for information on how you can join these groups. We would like to invite our friends who are 55 plus to our first hymn sing on Wednesday, October 21st at Willow Park Church at 33. If you'd like to attend, you can register online at willowparkchurch.com hymn. GLOW, our youth group for grades 9 to 12, happens each Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. JUICE, for grades 6 to 8, happens Thursday night from 6.30 to 8 p.m. This week is care groups, and leaders will be contacting youth with more information on what they will be doing. Visit cahoots.ca for even more info. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service.
please go to the website. To uh, love to have your help for that, and uh, that'd be great. So here's what we've been doing the last few weeks. Uh, we've been looking at what life with hidden in Jesus is like, uh, how to be apprentices of Jesus, how this. Uh, leaves a phenomenal impact on our own lives, but also an impact onto the world. And so today, I'm actually going to be sharing with you uh, a topic that I I asked my wife, Sarah, whether she'd heard it in church. We've heard other sermons online and everything, but whether we'd actually heard a sermon in church on this particular topic, and uh, and she said no. She's been in church a long time, like, uh, not that she's old, obviously, um, I love you, Sarah. She's not here this morning. She's at 33 leading worship. So, uh, but um, she's a PK. She's been in church a long time. She said I've, she's never actually heard a, um, a sermon on this topic before. Our normal routine is that we choose a piece of scripture and we kind of go through it expositionally and word by word. That's our normal MO at Willow Park Church. But we've taken a few weeks to look at more topical uh, subjects, and so I'm really enjoying sharing. Uh, from the life of Jesus, some of his practices, his habits that will actually bring life and change to us. So before we get into it, though, I need to talk about Lego sharks, obviously, because uh, so why wouldn't we start on Lego sharks? Because look at that thing. That's 80,000 pieces of Lego, and you can see that inside Chester Cathedral. Uh, Chester, is, I spent a lot of time in Chester, went to school in Chester, and uh, we used to walk past uh, you can see in the background here the stained glass windows. Uh, this is an exhibit in Chester Cathedral. It's running right now. And uh, this is what Ch- the inside of Chester Cathedral looks like. And many of you, I'm sure, have visited some of the cathedrals in Europe. And they look very similar. They're magnificent buildings, holy spaces. Um, and last summer, um, Sarah and I and the two boys were able to visit Chester, and it was great because I was able to show them different places that I used to hang out with, and, and it, was, it was good. So we went into Chester Cathedral, and there is a feeling as you go into these buildings that you're going into something different, something set apart, something unusual, something holy almost, even though um, there's all sorts of different things going on in there. It feels like a holy space. The only difference was with Chester Cathedral is they had this big exhibit for Lego. And I mean, I love Lego as much as the next person, but really the whole place was oriented towards Lego. And it was kind of unusual. We celebrate the arts and we love art. We believe God is the ultimate artist. But when you come into the South, we actually have an art studio through that door and you should have a look. It's amazing. And um, when we, we have art classes throughout the week and work with Now Canada and there's an amazing outreach ministry we have here at Willow Park South. Um, and we love that. But when you come through the door, not everything is oriented towards the arts. Not everything is oriented towards Lego. And maybe we should have a Lego exhibit. I don't know. But it's, it, was kind of, it was kind of odd when you go into this cathedral. And so we're walking around, and around about here, just in this area behind here, um, there was uh, somebody accosted my son Luke, who, as many of you know, you've just heard him lead worship. He's not a well-known rebel. Uh, he's not somebody who goes around causing trouble in cathedrals as a habit. Um, but he was in trouble from the verger. And the verger, who works for the churches to keep kind of the building, um, you know, looking good and everything else, stopped Luke and demanded that he remove his hat, his cap, because this is a, this is a respectful, holy place. You've got Lego sharks in the corner, 
And we're concerned about my son wearing a cap. So I, you know, when he told me, I had to kind of calm down a little bit because, uh, you know, like I'm going to go and search for that verger and start pointing out and start quoting scripture at him in a vehement way. But thankfully, the Lord got hold of me in the moment. I just let it go. But it, it started an interesting conversation about, well, caps not allowed. Lego sharks are allowed. Holy spaces. Holy spaces are important. They're, they're you know, we, I, they're, they're important because they've certainly been established as a place historically where you could come into the presence of God. And it's whether you're a Christian or regardless of your spiritual background or your religion, or even if you're not religion, we have holy spaces. The word holy means set apart, consecrated. A holy space for you may not be a church, may not be a temple. It might be a a particular view, might be a beach, might be a restaurant where something happened, that there was a moment in time that caused this space to become set apart, different, consecrated, if you like. And holy literally means that. It means to be dedicated to God. And these holy spaces, these cathedrals, were built as a place where the public could come in. And many, many times, especially the older churches around England, they, most people couldn't speak. Uh, sorry, couldn't read, I should say. They could speak. They couldn't read. They couldn't read the Bible. And so they'd look at these beautiful stained glass windows to learn the story of the gospel, to learn the story of the Bible. And it's amazing. I love it. It's wonderful. These holy spaces set apart, consecrated for God. The first time you actually see God make something holy is in Genesis 2. And uh, we're going we're gonna to jump into this as we move towards this topic that I want to share with you that really, I believe sincerely is one of the greatest gifts that I can point to outside of Jesus giving his life for us. One of the greatest gifts I think that I've learned that God has given to us as his people uh, that's wired into us as humans. Um, and, and we can read about it in this verse here, Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So in this, this account of creation, God, it says, you can read, made the heavens and the earth, and on each day, he blessed each of the things, said they were good, and at the end, he said, this is very good. And he blessed each thing. But then there's one particular thing that he blessed and made holy. And it wasn't a place. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't a mountain. It wasn't a building. It was actually nothing in creation itself. It was a day, time, 24 hours, the Sabbath. The word Sabbath comes from this word rested, Shabbat. But God did not create something holy and blessed. The very first thing that God made holy was not anything that you can see in creation. And that's important because we live in a society and a culture that celebrates creation. Nothing wrong with that. Celebrates the universe, celebrates nature, but then makes it divine. It's not divine. It's not holy. And, I, you know, sometimes somewhat mockingly, I can make fun of, you know, how pantheism seems like you go and hug, give a tree a good hug and then life seems to be okay. No, because it's not holy. 
creation, we've been told in Romans, is there to point to the glory of God, to point to the gospel. But itself is not holy. The day God created, the very first thing that is made holy was the day. And there is this belief in old Bible scholars that the, the law of first mention in the, in the Old Testament is really important. That something, when it's first mentioned, is very profoundly uh, powerful. And the first mention of holiness is the day. Is the day. The Sabbath. Rested. Shabbat. It means to stop. To cease. To celebrate. To think that's enough. This is a good thing. All tied up in this word is this idea of contemplation and celebration and all is well. It's very good. It's blessed. It's holy. It was a day. And when he did that, God rested. He made it blessed. He made it holy. And he established a pattern in creation, a sacred rhythm, if you like, to add to the natural rhythm that we find in nature. Day and night, tides in and tides out, seasons, months. I got a shock this morning when I got up and went outside and it was snowing in Kettle Valley. I'm like, there you go. It's happened. And we'd be worried if it didn't. And, you know, there is some some concern over the seasons seeming to change. And it's it's a natural rhythm that we have. And God created that natural rhythm, we believe, as Christians. You've got the water cycle, this beauty. And I could spend a lot of time, and I've spoken many times over the last 10 years, about the tension between science and theology, the seeming tension that actually isn't there. That God created this natural rhythm, and in the middle of it, there is this sacred rhythm. Work, rest. That there's this seventh day. Why did God take that seventh day is a question that we'll only ultimately get the answer to uh, on the other side of eternity. But what is interesting is you will not see any, anything in this passage at all to suggest that God was tired. You know, he chose to take this day of rest. He didn't make all of creation and go, woof, I need a nap. I'm tired. Like, this was easy for God to create the universe. It was easy, we know, because all he used was his word. He spoke words and it happened. So God's not sitting back going, wow, you know, can nobody bother me for the next 24 hours because I need some naps and I need some me time. That That wasn't happening. This was God choosing to establish a rhythm that then, and Christian friends, like especially in our kind of born again Christian world, this is a command A command that God has given to us in the Old Testament, reinforced by Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus takes the Old Testament teaching of the Ten Commandments, amps it up in the Sermon of the Mount. There is no dismissal of the Old Testament law of God. The laws, 613 of them in Leviticus, is is done away with because those laws were put to get there in order for them to become more holy, to show us that we'll never make it when it comes to our perfection and God. The gospel replaces those laws, but the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the design that God has placed upon us was reinforced and amped up by Jesus for reasons we'll see in just a second. And so, so you have this, this command that I would argue is the most ignored command by Christians. Yeah, well, the Sabbath, taking the Sabbath, that's for Jewish people or Seventh-day Adventists or the really legalistic. We... We shouldn't do that. That's not, we live 
in rest, Hebrews 11. Our soul rest comes from a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, amen. But nothing has, like, dismisses the Sabbath. You look at the command of the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, what you'll see is the longest description of a command, constantly reinforced all the way through the Old Testament. But as Christians, we kind of go, mm, yeah, no, that's not, that's not for us. Maybe it's because you grew up in a really legalistic church that, like, you know, Sabbath meant going to church 17 times on a Sunday, and you don't do anything fun. All the shops are closed. You don't watch TV. You don't do this. You don't do that. Put that down. Don't look at that. Don't think about that. Don't talk about that. Don't have this. And it's all like, whoa. Maybe that's your feeling when you think about the Sabbath. That is not what God and the Old Testament writers and many other Christians over the last 2,000 years, that's not what the Sabbath is about. Far from it. There's something beautiful about this sacred rhythm. But God chose it. We have to choose it. It's not like we have to do these commandments. We have a choice. So the first question I want to ask you is, do you practice the Sabbath? And there lies the topic that I actually haven't heard preached live in my however many years of being a Christian. Do you practice the Sabbath? Because we push it aside going, yeah, that's not for us. Whereas I want to show you, this is one of the most beautiful gifts that God has given us. And to give you some history, for us as a family, Sarah and I and the kids at home, we really came kind of face to face with this in the summer. And that we were reading some uh, books about spiritual disciplines. And, and this Sabbath keeps on coming up. And so it started with a, hey, what about Sabbath? And immediately I go, no oh, no, it's just hard work, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. And, and like, my mom and dad were saved in quite a strict church, and, and it, Sabbath wasn't fun for me anyway, and I don't think it was much fun for mom and dad either, but it was something you did, not something you celebrated, something you enjoyed, something you found joy and delight in. And yet that is what God has given us. It's a beautiful gift that we have to choose to take part in. It's a choice that not many Jesus followers actually take part in. We have days off, but I want to show you that a day off is different from a Sabbath. Whether you're very young or you're on the other side of the age spectrum, it doesn't matter. Sabbath is there for you to enjoy. It's not about not working. So if you're thinking, well, I'm retired every day is a Sabbath, probably not. I want to show you that isn't necessarily the case. Well, Glenn, you don't understand how busy I am. Yeah, that's why you should take a Sabbath. I challenge you to take a Sabbath. Take a risk. Maybe it'll have an impact on your work. Let's see whether, let's see whether it has such an impact that you will want to go back to not having a Sabbath. For us, we stumbled into having a Sabbath. It wasn't some kind of divine revelation, Archangel Gabriel writing on the wall, thou shall have Sabbath. It wasn't like that. It was like, should we do this? Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, let's do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. I can't believe that for us as a family and for me as a, as a Christian man and as a pastor, that I've, it's taken this long for God to get through to me about having a Sabbath. I will not go back. It's an amazing thing. I look forward to my Sabbath for reasons that I want to show you this morning. And I, I get excited about sharing this because I'm believing it will have an impact in your life as well. Because it's such an incredible thing. It's not having a day off. It's better than that. 
Remember this from last week? I shared this. This is, comes from a lecture that was given to uh, some pastors about avoiding burnout. And uh, on one side, I, I just put this graphic together to make it visual. So you've got a battery on one side. You've got burnout. We don't want that. And then on this side, we've got life to the full, soul rest, joy, everything that Jesus says as a, as a Christian, as a human, we should be enjoying. And so what we do, and I explained this in a lot more detail last week, we wait till we get here before we rest. So we just burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and then eventually burn out. And we kind of wake up a little bit here, maybe once a week, maybe once a month. Maybe you just work all the way, then you have a holiday. This is, that, that would be you. doesn't matter what your age is. We impo- Sometimes we impose this on kids. We really do. As parents, we need to be careful. We're not keeping our kids so busy that they're not actually resting, resting. So then what we do is we take some rest, and this is how far we recover. And we still miss out on this. We never actually get there. And so we fill it in. We try and make this peace and patience and joy and love and all the good things that God has promised us. We try and find elsewhere rather than actually in Christ itself. So here's where the Sabbath is amazing. The Sabbath creates a cathedral of time that you can step into this sacred space, this space, this holy place, and enjoy that like speedy recovery at the end of the week. You know these really fast charges you get? That's Sabbath. It charges your soul. It charges your spirit. Maybe you spent all week, let me go back, kind of, feeling distant, disconnected, away from God, tired, not sleeping well. And then Sabbath allows you to connect to the divine, allows you to get connected in a way that maybe you haven't had all week. They were designed by God for humanity, for delight, a cathedral of time. Because God didn't make a building holy, a mountain holy, a space holy. He made time holy. And so we can step into that time. And for all the reasons that we build buildings, we can actually enjoy that in the moment. So think about it practically. In the Old Testament, the Israelites and people of God used to build monuments and say, this is where God spoke. God created moments. And the humanity created something physical to represent the moment. God is saying, have a moment. Allow me, let him speak, connect with you, that you would choose that because God speaks in moments, speaks in time, not in spaces. You might make a space as a result of the moment, and that's fine. You know, you might have a special place where God said something specific. I remember when I received my calling where I knew God had called me. And and I remember it visually, that space would be holy in my mind. But it was the moment that God made holy. It's a cathedral of time. So, Jesus said, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's a gift from God to reorient and refresh your souls. And you see, all of the Old Testament writing points to the people of God making the Sabbath the center of their week, the center of their, of their existence. It's, it's so important. Now, they, are, they added all sorts of 
interesting and strange rules to it, which is why Jesus says, look, you, you've got it wrong. It's not, it's not the Sabbath that's in, but it's you that it's given to. You're not given to the Sabbath. But their lives oriented around it. And here's what I've found, Sarah and I have found in our family, and I'm going to describe what it looks like for us in just a second. All I can think about is my Sabbath in the week. Not all, but I'm focused on my Sabbath. I'm already looking forward to my Sabbath. And, and once you start establishing a Sabbath, it's actually so amazing. I want to encourage you to really do this as a family, as individuals, regardless of your age, regardless of your stage of life, create a Sabbath because it reorients and refreshes our souls. The writer Alan Fadling said this, the Sabbath is God's antidote for our hurried and harried pace of life and gives us the unhurried one in seven rhythm woven into the very fabric of creation. So what I'm going to do is I, I could go on a lot longer about the theology of Sabbath. And, and I started it last week. So if you want to jump into what rest means as Christians, then please listen to that, that message. But what I want to do is make it very practical. I want to assume for a second that you're, you're okay with the idea of Sabbath, that you want to have Sabbath. And I want to address, I want to address some of the questions and concerns maybe around it. The, to address the, yeah, but Glenn, you don't understand my life questions. Um, you know, it's okay as a pastor because you just sit around drinking coffee all day and chatting with people. That's what pastors do. And then you get up here and you talk to us for 30 minutes. 30 minutes, yeah, right. Um, you know, that's what pastors do. So you're bound to have time for a Sabbath. You know, and so you don't understand my life. I want to I jump into that conversation. What does it look like for you? Um, and by the way, I don't sit around and drink coffee all day, just half a day. Um, so some, uh, some writers that I've really drawn from, and my points, next four points, are from one particular book. Um, and so I just want to be upfront about that. Please read this book. He does, he's, a, he's a pastor from New York, and, uh, and it's Peter Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. He's also done Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. It's an excellent book, and the next four points are actually from that, this book and just apply to us a little bit. Another great book to read is called The Sabbath by Abraham Joshua Heschel. Any guesses where he might be from? Um, you know, it's a, you know he's, a, he's a Jewish uh, gentleman. He's not a rabbi, but he re- this book is a beautiful, almost poetic book written about the Sabbath. He's not a Christian, and I'm sure many of you have read the odd book that isn't Christian, so that's okay. We can relax about that, but it's incredibly godly. I mean, he's not going to celebrate Jesus, but he celebrates God, which is the same thing in my book. Um, so the Sabbath, it's just a beautiful little book. I highly recommend it. Crafting a Rule of Life um, by Stephen Machia. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, excellent book, and you'll find some really good references in that about the Sabbath. And then many of you have read this, and uh, Ruth Little, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Homer. Um, when I first mentioned this, Scott said he, he immediately searched for it. And what was funny is what popped up underneath was, um, was like a summary of it, which I thought was really funny. Like, well, I haven't got time to read the whole book, but I'll just read the summary of it. Um, that was quite hilarious. We took a screenshot of that. What John Mark Comer has done a really good job of is kind of assimilating masses of other 
books about uh, spiritual disciplines and habits, you know, from classics, and putting them into a modern, easy-to-read uh, book. And so you'll, you'll hear Peter Scazzaro and some of, and he's very, he's very open about it. It's, it's excellent. We read this as a family. Highly recommend you read it. I believe KCS staff are reading this, and it's, it's a really, really good book. So I'm pulling from all four of these areas in the next few points. Okay, so first of all, what is Sabbath? A Sabbath is an opportunity to stop, to take a breath, which is what I need to do. Stop. It literally means, Shabbat means stop, cease. It means to stop your work. We all knew that. Stop work. But it also means to stop the work that you don't get paid for. And there lies one of the biggest differences between a day off and a Sabbath. It is not a day to run around doing all the errands you've not had time to do in the week. It's not a day for you to necessarily cut the grass, paint the fence, do the stuff around the house, and fill your day with the things that you just haven't had time for, to do your banking, to do the running around. It's not, unless you filter it through a certain question that I'm going to give you in a minute. It's not a day to think about work. Thinking about work creates the same stresses about whether you're there or not. So here's what I do. My Sabbath, our our Sabbath as a family, Sarah and I for sure, and uh, Luke's is a little different, um, but Jack as well, is that it starts at Friday at dinner time. Is there anything because that's when the um, Jewish people? No, it's just that for me, Sunday is not a day off. It's not a Sabbath. This is my first day of the week. It's a busy day. So Sunday doesn't work. For many of you, Sunday makes absolute sense. For me, Friday dinner time to Saturday dinner time, that 24 hours, makes sense. That's the only reason that we do it then. Because on Saturday evening, I then start looking at my sermon for Sunday morning. So from that moment, so from Friday dinner time to Saturday dinner time, what I do before I get into Sabbath is I write down everything that's rattling around in here. I call it the very scientific term, brain belching. I just like belch up, not literally, everything that is going around in my brain. All my concerns, my fears, my worries, my to-dos, I journal it out. And I can tell you it makes a tremendous difference. Because sometimes we're constantly trying to remember the things we're trying to remember. So get rid of it. So no work, don't think about work, including work that you don't get paid for. And then, as Falding puts it, God never meant Sabbath to be an enslaving you can't day as much as a freeing you don't have to day. See how that frees you from legalism? You can't go this. You don't do that. You must not do that. That's what the the Jews kind of got caught up in. This is a you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. So here's here's one filter that is important, that for me, helped me a lot. It's A Sabbath is a day where I embrace my limits by practicing God's sovereignty. That, that my, my job, my existence, very lovingly, and I allowed myself to, be, to, to, like that, to think in these terms, I'm not that important. I am important for all the reasons that God says, and you're important, but the universe will be fine if you took 24 hours off. Proven by you falling asleep for hopefully at least eight hours a night, 
God does fine when you're asleep. God does okay, Glenn, when you're not checking your email and your texts all day. God has the universe in the palm of his hands, upheld by the power of his word. It's going to be okay. And so we talk about God's sovereignty. We say God's in control. We say that, oh yeah, you know, it's all up to God. But Sabbath gives us an opportunity to actually practice that. To actually let go of our finances, let go of our work, let go of the concerns that we have, the running around, the must-dos, the have-dos. We can actually physically let go of them for a whole 24 hours, thereby putting into practice that which we say with our mouths. God is in control. Trust him. Turn everything over to him for a whole 24 hours. And I say this reverently, see how he does. Let's see whether things implode while you're not checking your texts. I'm going to guess, and I know I'm being cynical, we'll be good. In fact, you'll be better. Family life will be better. Work life will be better. You'll be more engaged because you're delighting more deeply in the divine that you believe and say is the center of your life because you put those 24 hours aside. So for me, my Sabbath starts at dinner time on Friday. The text messages stop getting answered. The email stops getting replied to. And my phone is not answered. It's, it's, it's a good thing. I can, you can set your phone up to only have family and, and, and people coming through that isn't work-related. It's a good thing. Stop. Secondly, rest. It's what Peter Cazares says next. Rest. Look for activities that restore and reinvigorate. So here's the key. Here's the key. This is, this is really important. This is what you get to do. What brings restoration and reinvigoration to you? And it's all different for each of us. It's amazing. So for me, like, like I'll, I'll just not do very much at all. There's lots of napping. Jesus napped. It's a good thing. Have a nap, or as the Hebrews call it, a schlaf. Have a schlaf on God. You know, we're going so fast that we actually need to catch up a little bit on our sleep. It was a real release for me when I found out that before the invention of the light bulb, people actually used to sleep 10 to 12 hours a day. Which is why, and John Mark Comer explains this in his book, I thought it was really funny, which is why you can have the guilt of feeling like, why do those old Christian historical figures, they're getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to pray. Well, they went to bed at 5 p.m. the previous day, so they've, they're doing all right. So you need to sleep. You need to get at least eight hours of sleep a night. For some of you, for me included, that's a dream. But let's at least try and then catch up on it by napping. Napping's good. Eating. Eat and enjoy. If you're on a diet, that's your cheat day. Sabbath. Have a cheat day. That's not a bad thing. Walking, for me, it's like playing with my kids on PlayStation 4. It's sitting and chatting as a family and laughing, maybe playing some games. Yesterday morning, uh, Zoe came over and we just sat as a family and we just talked and we looked at photographs on the TV and laughed at videos together. It was good. It's reading fiction that for me is unheard of. Like, I just don't read fiction. I read the stuff that I just showed you on the screen. Sabbath is not that time. It's a time to laugh. It's a time to date your spouse. It's a time to talk about good things, not bad things. Don't talk about work. For me, don't talk about church. 
Don't talk about work. Don't talk about your bank account. Don't talk about the news. Please don't talk about the news. Don't talk about politics, yours, theirs, whatever. Talk about good things. Don't talk about COVID. Talk about things that are pleasurable. So you can do that regardless of your age or stage of life. These next two points are a little that really make Sabbath stand out. Delight. Here's the question. Here's how you know whether Sabbath um, is actually a Sabbath. Okay? What brings me, answer this question in your mind or maybe you journal it, what brings me joy and delight? If it brings you joy and delight, it belongs on a Sabbath. If it does not bring you joy and delight, it doesn't. And that's where it gets really different for some of us. I was chatting with somebody after the service, our first service this morning, and they were saying, you know, painting a room, cutting the grass, that brings me joy and delight. I'm listening to that going, that does not bring me joy and delight. But for him, he says that, he says, I love that. Great. Now, it'd be wrong for me to go, you shouldn't be painting on a Sabbath. So for Sarah, yesterday, I'm, I'm, sat, I'm playing a rally game with Luke, Sabbathing, Sabbathing hard, trying to beat my son. It's great. Sarah comes in. We're in the basement. Sarah comes in. She opens the kind of basement storage area. She starts dragging out uh, bins and boxes and lids are off and stuff's coming around. So here's what I've learned that doesn't belong on a Sabbath. Arguing with your wife. Don't. Don't argue at all. So you need to be very careful how you ask certain questions. So what I said to Sarah was, because immediately I, I'm reading, looking at that going, I feel guilty now that I'm not helping her. So I ask her, I say this, I went, darling, my love of my life. I didn't, but that's what I'm mentally thinking. I said, Sarah, is that bringing you joy and delight? And she looked at me, she went, absolutely yes. Because she's been wanting to do this. Great. For me, PlayStation, joy and delight. Rally car, excellent, joy and delight. For me, boxes, mm-mm. So this is where it gets fun, because what brings you joy and delight as a family, as an individual, as a couple, as a young person at school? It doesn't matter. You should have a Sabbath. Young people, get a Sabbath into your life. Enjoy your day. Delight in yourself. Delight yourself in the good, godly, beautiful things that God has given us. Delight. It refreshes the soul. It refreshes the soul so that then we can contemplate. Contemplate what? You see, God said that the Sabbath was, quote, holy to the Lord. So here's what really makes the Sabbath stand out. You stop. Good with that. Rest. Good with that. Delight, good with that. Contemplate. You gaze at those things that he has given you. You think through what he has given you. You bring yourself back to what, uh, what the beauty of the gospel is. You contemplate. It doesn't mean to say you spend the whole day in one big quiet time, but there's a lot of prayer in a Sabbath. There's a time where you sit and you just consider You think through the enormity and the beauty of Jesus, fully God, fully man, living a life that we can only dream about, and then going to the cross and dying on the cross for my sin, for my shame, so that all those who believe in him might come into a saving grace, his life, his righteousness given to me. I dwell on that. 
You contemplate that. This is what makes Sabbath stand apart. You put aside time to think and joyfully consider and contemplate the enormity of God's love for you and yours. The world is charged with the grandeur of God, Gerard Manley Hopkins said. This is Romans. The creation itself cries out the beauty of the gospel. That maybe you go for a walk and you just think about how God has given us the ability to enjoy heaven in time. Heaven on earth, the cathedral of time that you can step in. And for 24 hours, it's you and God. It's you and God. Delighting in him. So Anna Celia came at the end of the 9 o'clock service this morning. She said, she said, I love a good siesta. I went, so now it's a siesta schlaf. And she's like, yeah, she said. And every time my head hits the pillow, she said, I say, thank you, Jesus. That is Sabbath. That where you don't have to do anything. You get to do that which you delight in, that you can continue hand over to God, that makes much of Jesus in your life. That is Sabbath. That is Sabbath. It's the divine in the details. So you have to practice heaven in time. Be careful what you watch on a Sabbath. Is it making much of Jesus? If not, then don't do it. Is social media making much of Jesus? If not, do you joy and delight in that? That's for you to decide. But if it draws you away from God, don't do it for Sabbath. Sarah then said, well, why would you do it anytime if it doesn't work on a Sabbath? Good question. I will leave that for you to think about. But do that which draws you close to Jesus. It's a day of healing to look forward to. One writer puts it this way, and I thought this was beautiful. Sabbath is like a garden in a busy city. You know those places in busy metropolitan cities where you can just step in and it feels like life has been pushed away and you sit and enjoy? That's Sabbath. And maybe your city is chaotic, full-on downtown Manhattan. It's funny, you know, for those of you who aren't from around here and aren't from Vancouver, maybe from Toronto or Britain, we kind of do giggle a bit when you say that it's really, really busy. It's like, oh, you live on the west side? How do you even make it? 20 minutes in a car? across the, And like those of you from Toronto or from Manchester or London, two and a half hours in a car to get to church? Yep. You know, that's, that's you know, that would be normal. That wouldn't be unusual. Maybe that's how your life feels. Time to create a garden. And you have to cultivate a garden. You have to spend time in a garden. You have to make it beautiful. Sabbath is the same. So here's how. How do you do it? Because some of us will be going, yeah, but, in our minds. So here's, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Number one, read about it. If you're not convinced from what I say, read some of the books that I recommended. Watch the message online, pause it, write them down, go buy them, read about it. Talk about it as a family. Number two, identify your best 24 hours. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear there's nothing special about any one particular day in his teaching. So you choose a day that works for you. could be Tuesday from 2 o'clock to Wednesday 2 o'clock. Whatever works for you. For me, it's Friday dinner time to Saturday dinner time because that works for me as, a, as life as a pastor. For you, it might be Sunday. Church is a great way to start your Sabbath off. It orientates you t- towards God, allows you to contemplate Him, and then go and enjoy Sabbath. That's, that's beautiful. So include your family in this. 
Because it is hard if, you, if you're married and your wife's saying, well, I'm going to have Tuesday and you've got to have Friday. That, that it, it can be challenged to talk about how it's going to work for you. So for us, Sarah, myself, and uh, Jack, and Leo, and Augustine, we've, we've, got, we've got Friday, Saturday. Luke's a little different because he's often working on Saturday. So Sunday is his Sabbath. And then I went, well, but you work. And he went, yeah, joy and delight. Joy and delight. So that's, that's okay. Next, think about what brings you delight and make, you, make yourself a list. This is fun. Bring yourself, like think, okay, what is delightful? Prepare beforehand. So this is cultivating the garden. So if you know that Sabbath is coming on this day, then make sure that you don't make any arrangements and think about how you can avoid things and do things for that day. You've got to prepare beforehand. Create your space. Peter Scazzaro talks about creating a container. I will, dot, dot, dot. I will not, dot, dot, dot. So let me read you my list because I tried to do this um, this morning at the first service. It worked. So here's my, here's my, oh, my light's on. Okay, I will do this. So here's my, uh, my list. I will stay in bed for as long as possible. Wear a cap. That's code for sweatpants and baggy shirt. I don't care. Sabbath. Jesus loves me just the way I am. Uh, I watch Manchester United, number three on the list. Formula One. Read fiction. Have a guilt-free nap. Do some art. Go for a walk. Uh, Watch decent TV. Hang out with good friends. Drink wine. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Drink non-alcoholic wine. Play PlayStation 4. Do enjoyable yard work. I built a fence on Sabbath. I enjoyed that. It was great. Joy and delight. And ever since, because I'm mentioning it every week now. Work out if I want. Let me read that again. I work out if I want. Not because I feel like I have to. I cheat on my food. I hang out with my kids. I play games with my kids. I journal and I say sorry first. It's much easier that way. I'm learning that. Be the first person to say sorry. I will not check uh, the numbers for church because I can do that. I can find out who's coming on Sunday morning. I won't do that on my Sabbath. I won't check my email. I won't check texts. I won't check Facebook. I won't look at Twitter because that's news and politics and that just upsets me. I will not do my sermon. I will only, I will not watch TV that is not restful. So I won't binge Netflix because that doesn't bring joy into my life. I might think it does, but it doesn't actually. Uh, I won't cut the grass or shovel snow because I've got kids that will do that. Um, I won't talk about church. I won't talk about COVID. I won't do jobs around the house. I will not do housework. I won't feel guilty for not doing any of that. Uh, I won't go shopping. I won't go to the mall. And I will not do jigsaws. That is my Sabbath. It was kind of stressful just reading that. So I don't do it. It's good. Make a list. Make a list as a family. Give it four to six weeks. Just try it. Try it. Four to six weeks. And be flexible. Be gentle with yourself. Be flexible. Put things in. Take things out. Talk about it. Did this, did this work? Did it not? So then the big questions I finish is this. I feel like I presented a decent argument as to why you should take Sabbath. Apart from it being a command, it's good. It's wonderful. I love it. And I'm so grateful that I'm started now. I, I feel a bit bad that it's taken so long. So the big question is this. Why not? Why wouldn't you do this? Well, I'm too busy. Mm, maybe, 
maybe that's not true. I'm not saying you're not busy, but maybe you could carve out 24 hours. Try it. I have little children. That's a big one. I said this to the first service this morning. I'll say it now. As somebody who doesn't have little children anymore, my children are young adults. Can I say, you will never have time. You will never have time. If you think, well, when my kids are older, I'll have more time. That's not true. That's a lie. It's just different. It's different hard work. But it's still work. So, but, you know, there are seasons, and be gentle with yourself as you get into it. But, so it's no guilt, but I'm not trying to say, oh, great, now you have to do a Sabbath. This is all about you doing less and enjoying God and contemplating and delighting in him. Can you see how it's different from a day off? This is something given to us by God. Why not? Why not? So as I finish, here's my prayer, and I get excited about this because I've seen such an impact in my own life and in my family's life since we started this, and we haven't got it right yet. I'll give you an example as to how we adjusted. A couple of weeks ago, Sarah and I, um, we watched a movie on the Sabbath. At the end of it, we both went, you know what? That's not done our heart good. There was some swearing in it. There was some stuff. You're like, you know, why, why did we do that? I mean, that begs the question why we do it on any other day. But that aside, we said, right, we're not going to watch. We're not going to do that again. We're only going to watch things that are actually decent and good on a Sabbath. So you adjust as you go. It's your opportunity once a week to put 24 hours aside to get so close to God, to slow down, to contemplate, delight, and enjoy him. Why not? Does that sound good? Do I get a little mini amen from the coffee lounge? Hey! (laughs) So step into this cathedral of time. I encourage you, praying for you to do that. And I'm believing that you'll hear wonderful things from God. And I'm going to pray to that end right now. So let's pray.